As we go to the Word today, um, I've asked Joseph to come and help me with an illustration. But it's very important that uh, you all know he's going to bring a shotgun to the platform. And it's unloaded. And it's for a demonstration. And no humans will be hurt in this presentation. (laughs) And uh, Joseph, if you could please come now and bring your mighty shotgun. (laughs) Is this a powerful weapon, Joseph? Sure. Sure. Amen. Uh, The shotgun represents Joseph's salvation. He has it. He's saved. Joseph, is this a good weapon? Well, um, unloaded like this, um, I guess, you know, if somebody sees you with it, or, you you know, you tell them to have a shotgun, that could be a natural deterrent in itself. Um, I guess if somebody actually tries to come at you, you can use it as a club or something like that. (laughs) Okay, so it is effective like it is, but it... Could be better? Uh, definitely. Uh, okay. Kind of limited range. So salvation, having salvation can protect you. It keeps you from hell. And you can tell people that you're saved and they kind of know something about you at that point. Is there a more effective way to use this shotgun or uh, your salvation? There is. You know, they make uh, ammunition for it. <laughs> <laughs> Very all right. So if the shotgun is our salvation, then the ammunition could be worship then? Definitely could be worship. Okay. So our salvation is armed when we add worship to, to our salvation. So just as Joseph has invoked the shell into this gun to make it the most powerful it can be, when we invoke the Holy Spirit and worship into our lives, then we make our salvation the most powerful we can be. Thank you, Joseph. Would y'all give Joseph a hand? <laughs> Brother Joseph was, I mean, Brother Olson was talking about the enemy <clears throat> coming against them. I don't know if you can hear my voice and the stuff I'm dealing with, but I've definitely had my challenges this week and still uh, trying to talk is difficult, so... I feel like I've had a fight myself. But I believe that God wants to do great things today in your life. I, I really, I have a just an incredible desire for you to leave here knowing something that will really help to change your life. It'll change your prayer life. It'll change your spiritual life. God has a different logic system than we do. Many of us know this. Uh, it's called all different types of things, but... Things that sometimes don't seem logical to me, at least, that's how God chooses to work. For instance, he tells us that the first will be last. So if you want to be first in the kingdom, let everyone else go ahead of you and give them preference. He also says to give, and it will be given unto you. Cast your bread upon the water, and it will return to you. So when, when you're lacking, giving will cause blessing to come to you. Now, my logic system in my own brain says, if I'm lacking, I better hold on to this. But God, in his logic system, says, that's not enough anyway. You might as well give it to me so I can multiply it. And another thing that is God's logic is that children are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And yet, 
you know, we don't see very much of Barack Obama's children on, on television, do we? We see the president himself. But God says those people that we think are mighty and important, they're not the important ones. It's the sweet little innocent children. So God's logic system is different than the way our brain works a lot of times. And the same is true with our spiritual lives. Before we go out into battle, before we go out and face the enemy and the giants that we have to deal with every day, we have to retreat. And normally if you were an army sergeant or something, you know, you would say, no, if there's something coming against you, you better not go hide in your tent. You better pick up your arms and and go fight. But in God's logic, first, before we can go out, before we can go and face the enemy, we first need to retreat, be alone with God, and worship him. Worship together like we are right now is corporate worship, and it's powerful. It has a lot of a lot of importance to it. God hears us. He's with us. Our fellowship is important. And this is an important part of building ourselves up and doing the best we can for God. But there's a type of worship, and that is a worship, an intimate type of worship that we have when we're all alone with God, when no one else can hear us. And it's that worship that I want to talk to you about today. Worship takes us to God or brings him to us. And it's in his presence where there's joy and peace and strength and wisdom and direction. After we've been with God, we have direction to either go and do what he told us to do, or we have the direction to stand still and just wait for him and know his peace. And when we do that, we can see God's glory in our situation, whatever it is. Whether we're going and going forth and being mighty in his name and acting and doing things he told us to do. Or whether we're just standing and waiting and being calm and having his peace. When, logically, it seems like we should be falling apart. But the word tells us that he gives us peace that passes our understanding. And he gives us joy in the morning. And he does things for us in his presence that don't make any sense. They don't make any logical sense. But in God's logic, it's just how we live. God told the children of Israel, and I believe that he's saying this to us today. He told them in Exodus 23, 25, he said, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water, and I will take away sickness from among you. This is when God first established the idea that if you do something for me, I'm going to do a whole lot for you. And when we take time to worship God, he comes into our situation, he comes into our heart, and he does things for us, whether it's giving us peace or whether it's helping us, helping us to deal with things, helping us to have patience, helping us to be gentle and kind whether it's helping us with things that we need and blessing us. But he want, whatever we do, whenever we take time to worship God, he shows up and he's mighty and he does so much more. It seems like just we just spend a few minutes with him and worship and then he just brings an abundant <coughs> blessing, like a flood to us, the word says. Every time we give to God, he gives more and more and more to us. Exodus 9.16 says, I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. 
So he's raised us up for a purpose. Our purpose isn't just to do what we do for a living, but to do things for God and to fulfill purposes that are above just making a wage or just being a common everyday person. Psalms, I'm going to just go through some scriptures, and these are in your bulletin, so you can look these up later. But in the scripture, it talks about uh, worshiping with gladness. It talks about bowing down in worship. It talks about kneeling in worship. It talks about exalting God and worshiping him at his holy hill. Um, It talks about exalting the Lord our God and worshiping at his footstool. And then, just to clarify, Isaiah 66 says that heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So when it says we worship at his footstool, here we are. What else can we do? (laughs) That's what we're here for. And he says that where is the house that you'll build for me? And where is my resting place? God wants to come and rest with us when we worship. Whether it's in our corporate worship time or whether it's in your time alone at home. Uh, Psalm 47 says, clap your hands and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Psalm 134 says to lift up our holy hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. And I've heard people say, but my hands aren't holy. God is great enough to make your hands holy and mine too. 2 Samuel 6.14 says, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. I feel like the Lord spoke to me one time and said, you can't love me with all your heart. You can't dance before me with all your heart like David did if you haven't given me all your heart. If we are holding anything back from God, if we're saying, you know, I'll, I'll go to church, I'll try to be good, I'll even teach a Sunday school class, but God, don't ever ask me to do A, B, C, you fill it in. If we're holding back something from God, then we haven't given him all of our heart. We can't worship him with all of our heart. We can't pray with all of our heart if we haven't given God all of our heart first. Uh, Psalm 96.9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Dance before him all the earth. Did you know dancing is in the Bible over 40 times? That's quite quite a a statement. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to ask anyone to dance. (laughs) I think what I'm trying to say is that worship is a verb. It's an action. And it's very involved. When our hearts are involved in worship, our lives are better because God's presence is with us. It does take effort and it takes determination. Um, But the results are phenomenal. And I can't describe to you what God's going to do if during your prayer time you decide to add worship to it. Because it's a personal thing. It's, it's just, just as he's your personal savior, your personal time with him is going to be different than mine. Um, I'm going to share with you something from my, my prayer journal. And you'll, you'll, know, you'll be able to tell the questions I was asking God. But this is from July 19th of last summer. I feel like God spoke this to me, and I put this in my journal. I wouldn't rather have David or your dad or your brother. I'm using you for the task that you were destined to perform before the ages. Before there was time, you were chosen for such a time as this, for this purpose. Don't be afraid to weep. 
Tears will break through certain spirits and hearts just as music or preaching the word. Your tears are a sign of my presence. If you didn't notice, I had a problem because when the Lord would move on me, I would cry often and I didn't like to cry in public. So God is helping me to understand that my tears are a sign of my presence. And this alone will break through to some. Some will be repulsed by your tears. They're repulsed by my presence also. So we know where we stand with those. And then the Lord tells me, yes, I wanted you to worship me and sing to me this morning. So I may come and give you this word. Also, so my glory can be on your house as you've asked it to be. That's, I was worshiping God. I felt like God wanted me to sing. So I sat and just sang to the Lord. And this is the word that the Lord brought me. And this, this is answering a lot of questions that I've been praying and asking the Lord at the time. So you may not have an experience anything like this. Yours may be completely different. You may open the Bible while you're in your time with the Lord. And God would speak to you just immediately and quickly from his word. That's happened to me too. And there isn't a set, precise recipe for what happens when I sit down and sing to God or when I sit down and exalt his name. It's different really day to day. So everyone knows that you're supposed to pray every day. But just like prayer, I believe that we should worship every day. Worship God. And as I said before, we're in corporate worship right now where we come together. But that alone time, the time where you say, okay, God, I just want to talk to you. I just, I want to tell you. I don't need a worship leader. I don't need a psalter. I don't need a pastor. It's just you and me. And I want to tell you how great you are. And you just start worshiping God and lifting up your voice to him. I want to share a story with you. Um, It's really more of an experience that we had. I was thinking um, just about different things that we hear about the worship service and all, and I sort of laughed when we went to Matthew's graduation a few weeks ago. Um, most of you know, some of you don't know, but the point where you drop someone off at our football stadium and the point where you sit in the bleachers is quite a distance, and it's downhill and then you go uphill to go up the bleachers. We arrived at Matthew's graduation 30 minutes early so that we could have plenty of time. We had David's parents and my dad with us. And so we wanted to give ourselves plenty of time to walk. So it's 30 minutes before the event starts and we're getting out of the car. And my dad has trouble walking long distances because his legs cramp. David's mom has had several surgeries, hip replacements and things, and she walks with a cane. David's dad um, has had trouble falling recently. And so we have all these things going on, and now we need to walk down the hill. And then we thought we were getting there 30 minutes early. We weren't early. You all know that. You, you know this better. We should have talked to some of you first. But when we got there, the stands were full. So we made this trek down the hill. Everyone's doing okay. And then we get to the bleachers. And when I got to the bleachers and turned around, we had to walk to the forth from the top with these people who were having some challenges. And so I started trying to think of a plan B. Okay, what can we do? All right, we'll call the boys. We'll have the boys bring lawn chairs. We'll sit. My, all of our folks, no, let's go. We're going up there. 
I didn't know if we could do that or not. I got really nervous. I said, um, you know, there aren't any seats except at the top, so we're going to have to, mm-hmm. and they just, they all started up the bleachers, and I got so nervous. I want you to know every one of them got to the fourth from the top row slowly, decisively, but they made it. They weren't going to miss this event. <laughs> so we sat down. It was hot. You all know the sun was in our eyes. Uh, we were sitting by people of all different cultures around us. Uh, there, were, there were blacks, whites, Asians, Hispanics, rednecks. There were people of every type of, of culture around us. I said that just to be funny. But we, we were there to see Matthew Claude Johnson graduate from high school, and there was nothing that was going to stop us from being in those bleachers with no cushioning, with no air conditioning, with I didn't bring sunglasses. It was hot. It was my skin was getting burned. I was with people that I was worried about. No one was missing this event. We were going to watch this. And I want you to know, we didn't leave early either. We stayed until the very end and until everyone had, had greeted and hugged and congratulated and we got lots of pictures. And we went through this whole thing because that was important to us, to be there for that event. And I think that God's house should be the same way. We shouldn't be concerned with, you know, if things aren't just right for us. Is it a little chilly in here? Is it a little warm in here? Is the screen not quite quite right? Is I don't like that song. I, um, I laugh every time. David loves the song, In My Heart There Rings a Melody. My mother could not stand that song. And he sings it often, and I chuckle every time we sing it because I think... My mom didn't like this song. But you know what? She always sang it when we were in church. She didn't stand there and go, I like this song. She sang it anyway. And worship, corporate worship, is not about us. It's about our Heavenly Father. Just like when we go to events that are important to us, we're focused on the person. We were focused on Matthew. When that class started walking out from, from the end of the stadium and they started walking you know what I think every one of us were doing? I don't know how many people were in those bleachers, but several hundred. Every one of us were looking for our, our guys. Who, who's, where's our guy? And we were wanting to focus on the one we were there for. And I want to just, with all my heart, I want to ask you, when you come to this place, let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the Father, on Yahweh. It's his house. This is his service. We call this our worship service because we're here to worship him. And if things aren't just right for us or exactly like we would wish they could be, that's okay. Because we can have a private time with God. We don't have to get our whole fulfillment from this. This service isn't about fulfilling us. This is about fulfilling the Father. So when we go to our private time with God, it's that time that we can have it exactly like we want it. You want to play a Chris Tomlin CD and worship with him? Crank it up. You want to play organ music on your CD? Play organ music. Do you want to play Darlene Check and rock out to Jesus? You play it and go. I mean, there's, you know, Jesus culture. You can have any kind of worship you want every day of the week while you're sitting there alone with God in your worship time. 
King David was the least in his house. He was the youngest of his brothers, and he worshipped God out in the fields with the sheep. He knew he was anointed to be the king of Israel, yet he worshipped God, and he waited patiently. When David feared for his life, and he was in caves, hiding, because the king of Israel was searching to kill him, he worshipped God, and he thanked God for protection, the protection that hadn't yet been given. He was afraid for his life that day, but he was praising the Lord for protecting him. He brought the ark of God back into Jerusalem, and he danced with all his heart, and he worshipped God. Moses was in God's presence in Exodus 24, verse 12. God told, God told Moses, he said, I want you all to come up on the mountain, and he's talking about all of the children of Israel. He said, I want you all to come up the mountain so that I can be face-to-face with you. Well, when Moses told the children of Israel this, they got, they got scared. They said, no, Moses, you go. We're afraid to be in front of you know God. And, and besides that, there was this big consecration process. I mean, it's like, you, you know, it's like when you were a child. Mom, if I go to church, I've got to take a bath. I've got to put on those starched clothes. And that's kind of how the children of Israel sounded to Moses. It's like, we'll have to consecrate ourselves. We're scared. We're really not that good. Moses, you're the guy that God wants to talk to. You go talk to him. We'll wait here. So Moses went up the mountain, and the children of Israel stayed at the base of the mountain. And I want for you to think about this story. Moses waited on the mountain six days. The Bible says, in God's presence. Six days, he just waited. The Bible said that fire, you know, fire was being seen and that there was smoke all around the mountain and the children of Israel were down at the base of the mountain. What were they doing? Were they worshiping God? Were they saying, oh, Lord, speak to Moses for us? No. While Moses was with God for six days, and there's no account, there are no details about what happened. It just says... The presence of the Lord came down, and Moses was in God's presence. And then it it gives great detail about what happened at the foot of the mountain. What happened at the foot of the mountain was that the children of Israel started complaining about how long it was taking, and they told Aaron that they wanted to worship. See, they had a heart to worship something. You have a heart to worship. God has put that in each one of us. You have a heart to worship. So what did they do? They built a calf, and they worshipped an idol. And I believe that part of the reason that we feel such a distance from God and part of the reason that we feel like God doesn't ever talk to us and God doesn't ever, it's because we think that the preacher can go up the mountain. God can talk to the preacher. I'll just listen and let him do it. And God is saying the same thing to you that he said to the children of Israel, and that is, I want to talk to you face to face. I want to spend time. God God Almighty said, like a friend. God wants to talk to you like a friend. Face to face. He still thinks the same way about you as he did to the children of Israel. He still wants for you to come up to him and spend time with him. I'm going to skip a lot and just tell you how to worship. Worship is not talking about God. Worship is not saying that he is great, he is mighty, he is good. Worship is when you say, you are great, you are good, you are mighty, and I love you. 
Worship is talking directly to your father, not talking about him. It's great to sing praises, the Bible says, but it's even better to sing worship and to say worship to the father yourself from your heart to God. And do you know what? If you're worried that you're going to sound like an infant, you are. I'll just help you not worry about that. You're going to sound like an infant. I do too. But you know what? I remember we have videos that would just drive you crazy because I have videos of Seth when he's just a tiny little thing. Uh, He said mama. And so I videoed that poor child for about two hours trying to get him to say it again because I wanted to hear him say it again. (laughs) He wasn't very articulate. But I knew he was talking to me. And so I walked around with a video camera, just would say, Mama, say, Mama, trying to get him to say it again. And, of course, he wouldn't. But God is that way with us. Yes, you're going to sound like an infant. No, you probably don't have beautiful, eloquent things to start with. But the more you read God's word and the more time you spend with him, the more your heart will just pour out worship to God the more that you'll be able to just sit down and and know that it's not the words that you say, but it's just that your heart wants to connect with God. Campers, that's an awesome thing. And you want to connect with your Father. You want to be alone with Him, spending time with Him, being close to Him. So it doesn't matter what you say. Read Psalms, and you know what I do? I say this, I say, oh, that's good. I wish I'd thought of that. Okay, Lord... As the deer pants for the water brook, my soul longs for you. I just steal David's stuff and just say it right to the Lord like I thought of it. Because I mean it. When I read it, I think, I mean that too. That's exactly how I feel. And God, you know what? God has never said, oh, Rhonda, come on, be original. No, he just comes down and fills my heart with peace and fills my heart with patience and fills my heart with joy. And no matter what I'm going through, I know. Now, I might get up from my prayer time and not one thing has changed. Not one thing. But I'll leave that place where I pray every day and I think it's going to be okay. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know my God has heard my heart and I know he's huge. And I know that if I can think it to worry about it, He's way ahead of me to take care of it. So I don't have to worry. He's got it. And I can go about my day with joy as if the answer is already here. With peace as if things are perfect. With patience as if the person who's driving me crazy is just an innocent little baby. So when I'm with God, when I'm in his presence, and when you're with God and in his presence day after day after day, he will come to you. He will speak to you, just as I shared with you from my prayer journal. And he will be mighty. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. My heart just becomes overwhelmed with the thought that you want to meet with me. The fact that you want to be my friend and that you want to be face-to-face with me is such an awesome thought. I pray, Father, that as those who have never done this before when they're alone or those who have come to a place and maybe they feel like they're just not hearing from you, 
But I pray, Lord, that you would be mighty in our prayer time. And I pray, Father, that you would just help us to love you, as the New Testament says, with our first love, just like we just accepted you into our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would just put that fresh, new, exciting love in our hearts, Lord, for you. Lord, we lift you up and worship you in spirit and in truth. And we glorify you, Lord, with all our hearts. I pray, Father, that you'd put this on our minds and on our hearts, that we wouldn't forget to share our day with you and to share our lives with you and to live in your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Carol is